the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at PastorScott at KKLA.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. It is the Pastor Scott Show, and it is good to be with you. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. I was reminded of a story, something that happened to me when I was in youth group. And uh, it didn't really happen to me. It was something that the youth director did. Now, I'm, I'm telling you this story because I want you to think about what you would do if you are a parent or if you, you know, you are the guardian or grandparent or you became aware of certain issues. And I want to take you back in time a little bit. OK, I want to go back. My youth group was in the 1980s. OK, there's no Internet. There's no social media. And politics in that day rarely had anything to do with gay marriage or LGBTQ issues and nothing about trans. You know, pornography was mostly magazines and VHS tape that most kids had no access to. Okay, different world altogether. And I want to put you in that world. However, uh, those things, of course, exist. And teenage boys, you know, were interested in, in you know, who knows what uh, in all of that. So I imagine this, this thing. We go to youth group one time and our youth director at the time. Uh, he gets up and he gives his lesson. And the lesson that he gives is he holds up a Playboy magazine. Now, he's doing this at a church youth group. And I was 14 or 15, I think is how old I was. I'm going to go with 15, 15 years old. Most of my buddies in there were 15 years old. Of course, there's boys and girls in there also. And you know what? What I enjoy about this story in some ways when I think about it is me and my buddies, we knew that that not only was sort of this idea that there's this magazine in front of us was kind of exciting, but mostly we knew that the youth director was in a lot of trouble. See, my dad was the pastor. My dad might be listening to this show right now. I can't remember if uh, I ever even told him this story because this guy eventually got fired. Uh, <laughs> he didn't get fired for this. He got fired because... He took a bunch of us to uh, Europe on a mission trip, and uh, turned out there was no mission trip. We just stayed uh, at uh, Ramstein Air Force Base in the home of the base mortician for a couple of weeks, and uh, that was the. Also, we slept on the in a van on the side of the autobahn for a while. It was a church mission trip. It kind of uh, didn't go too well, and he was gone at that point. And a whole nother story I'll tell you about someday. Uh, so anyway, we're sitting there, and of course, we're thinking. Well, this guy's fired, probably. <laughs> you know, he's given us this lesson, and he's got this magazine in front of us. And you know, I'm thinking that the lesson was ultimately you can't judge a book by its cover, um, or you know, you might be presenting yourself as something on the outside that doesn't represent what you are on the inside. And the reason is, is because he took the cover off, and the inside was a Mad magazine. It was not uh, a Playboy magazine on the inside. Now, and the funniest thing is, you know, at the end, he's like, are there any questions? Well, our questions were, what'd you do with the rest of the magazine? <laughs> That's what we wanted to know. And at this point, not because we wanted access to it. Our question was, 
you're the youth director, pastor, and you're, you have this thing here. What'd you do with it? And we started questioning him about it. And he claimed that he went to whatever he went and asked if he could just buy the cover, that he doesn't have the rest of the magazine. And uh, he claims that they wouldn't sell him just the cover, so he had to buy it, and then he took the cover off and threw it away on the trash can on the way out. None of us believed that, of course, which may not be fair, but, you know, teenage boys were like, no, he probably got that magazine from his garage, you know. And I don't mean to besmirch him, because I don't know beyond that what's actually true, other than we sat there. And here is this this object lesson (laughs) with a bunch of teenagers uh, and that. Now, here's the thought. I'm going to go to a different place with this. And I want us to figure out where's the line, okay, for this when it comes to your your kids. And I want us to put ourselves, you know, in the 1980s, okay? Don't go to a place with LGBTQ issues or trans issues or the things that so much are being talked about today. I just want to take us back there. But imagine it happening today, but those other issues aren't there, Okay. What would you do? Like as a parent and you come home, I I don't remember if I even ever told my dad this. I probably didn't. I'm sure that the rest of the kids told their parents. You know, do you call him? Do you say something? Is he in trouble? What if it really was the magazine? And I've been thinking about this, you know, from the standpoint of the culture we live today. What if your baseball coach, my younger son, Johnny's playing baseball and uh, his team just got eliminated from the playoffs, so he's done everybody's, you know, 10, 11, 12, that age group. What happens if the baseball coach in your little league or the leader in Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts, some child organization that you're a part of, and it could be the youth group leader at your church or somebody else there, what happens if they introduce pornography to your kids? Like what is, your kids have heard of it probably at that age. They might even be talking about it probably in ways you don't want to know, especially today. What do you do as a parent? 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. What should society's response be to this? Now let's imagine that it gets pretty, you can just start drawing the line a little further. You know, is... Is it the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue? Is it a Playboy magazine? Is it something that is more uh, explicit? And what happens if the person who is in charge of your kids, it could be at your youth group or somewhere, decides that they believe that the right thing to do is to teach your children um, all that there is to know about this subject at the ages of 10, 11, 12 years old? And... And I I want to restrict it right now in our thinking to just heterosexual thinking, okay? Not to draw in the social arguments about other things that we have today. Just how far does it go to the point where if this happened and you learned about it for your 10, 11-year-old kid, what would you do? What do you think ought to happen? What would be the response if you found out that your youth leader or your, you know, Boy Scout troop leader or somebody decided to share explicit things with your kid. At what point do you call the boss? At what point does that person lose their job? What's the discipline? Should there be discipline? Or do you think, oh, I'm glad they're doing this with my kids. Now I don't have to talk about it. But it goes way beyond the the talk. Have you had the talk with your kids? I've had the talk with both of my boys. They handled it very differently. Um, I imagine I will have to have the talk again. 
<laughs> at different times and different ages. Uh, but it's it's there. Some of you never had the talk, you know, from your parents. My father told me that uh, the only talk he got was his mother gave him a book about chickens, and he was supposed to sit down and read it, and he did. And he sat down and he read it, and then she said, do you have any questions? And he said no, and he completely misunderstood what that book was actually about because it certainly wasn't graphic. It was talking about, you know, how new chickens are made and different things, but it had to do with chickens, and there was, you know, it was unclear. Whenever I had uh, a class in school, it was scientific on the subject, fifth or sixth grade, I think, so 10, 11 years old, maybe 12. And, you know, there was a lot of giggling and red faces in the class, but it certainly wasn't, you know, something that would be considered obscene or pornographic. It was just, you know, here's how babies are made. Here's the way this happens. And, uh, you know, it's very dry, you know, scientific, you know, some cartoon drawings of certain things, but... Uh, enough to make a uh, 11-year-old boy giggle about it, but not enough to get excited about it for the wrong reasons. If this is being presented to your kids, what would you do? And if it got very explicit, and if it if what your children are being taught is explicit and unusual, and a whole lot of things that maybe you've never even heard of that people get into it. Uh, at what point do you get in trouble? See, I'm thinking to myself, if my child is given by a baseball coach or a youth director or somebody who's sort of overseeing him, something that's explicit sexually, that person is in a lot of trouble. I think I'd lose my mind. I would be so angry about that. And, and I'm not talking about some of the other things that go on today. I'm talking about uh, obscenity or what used to be called that. Obscenity is a funny thing uh, because it's defined in, in different ways. There was a court case, a Supreme Court case in the 1960s, where the uh, Supreme Court justice trying to determine if a certain film was obscene was struggling to figure out how to define where you cross that line. And ultimately he said, well, I know it when I see it. And that was kind of the idea, but that's not a very good legal definition. And the legal definition has changed to to this, where the average person applying contemporary community standards would find that the work taken as a whole appeals to the purient interest, meaning a shameful or morbid interest in sex. Then it's obscene. If, it, if to the average regular person uh, applying contemporary community standards, see all this I think is still difficult legally, right? Or if the work depicts or describes in an offensive way sexual conduct specifically uh, defined applicable by state law. Sometimes the state defines this is obscenity. Um, or if the work taken as a whole lacks serious literary, artistic, political, or scientific value. Also a lot of room, I think, for, for people to discuss, you know, what, what does that mean serious? You know, to me, this is not serious, but to you, it might be very serious. And if a work of some kind, a magazine or a movie or something, meets all three prongs of that test, then legally it's considered obscene and is subject to legal restrictions and penalties and censorship fines, even criminal charges. Okay, are you with me? Now, this is a obviously a serious issue of our time when it comes to our schools. Uh, a parent at uh, one of our nation's schools in Illinois called the cops on the teacher 
who was teaching their 11-year-old and called the police because the book that was handed out to the kids, all right, was very explicit. And this is one of the books that is in schools all over the country. It's been published since 2015. And it's an instruction manual for lots of things sexual with with pictures and a glossary of all kinds of terms. Some of them I've never even heard. And some of them are, and this is to little kids, okay, 10, 11, 12 years old. If you go on Amazon, you can find the book. It's targeted towards 14, 15, 16, 17-year-olds. I don't even think it's for them. And it includes, I don't even know what I can say about it, but it also includes uh, instructions on how to find apps for your phone on how to have hookups with people who might like to do these things with you. Okay, we're talking about uh, children having sex with other children or adults. That's what these apps lead you to. And this is being put in school libraries today, and it's being given to kids. So this teacher uh, was, the police were called, the teacher was actually put on academic leave, and then she just resigned because of it. The parents called the police because they said, my child is being given child pornography, that this book is not just simply a book about sex or the science of it or sex ed. This book is pornography. It is written out. And if you look at it, you can go on Amazon right now. I'm not going to tell you what it is. I don't want to send you there. But it has pictures. They're drawn. And it is, in this book, it's everything, but it's straight, lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans, the whole thing. And it describes all kinds of things. Would you call the cops? Does this person need to go to jail? See, that's where this is. Now, another reason I'm bringing this up is because NBC News is reporting on this story. And the NBC News story version of it says, parents file a police report after teacher offers LGBTQ-themed book to her middle schoolers. Uh, And the teacher, her name is Sarah Bonner, she says, the notion that I was putting children in danger because of books, uh, I knew I just couldn't go back, and that's why she quit. And if you read this article, the article says nothing about the sexual explicit content of this book. It basically, they talk about books that celebrate all kinds of different sexual orientations and doing things with each other. And it's a positive article about this book. It says, things have really changed for the students. I bet they have. I'll bet things have changed in all kinds of ways for the students. And this article does not go in to what the book is actually about. Instead, it celebrates this teacher for wanting to reach the kids and gives the idea that parents shouldn't be concerned about these because she's the professional. And I'm asking you to understand something here. The news media is lying here. This person, this NBC News is getting called out online uh, very specifically because the article is misleading. Number one, the article has the teacher holding up another book, the book that the teacher wrote. This is not the book that she got in trouble for. The book is called Igniting Social Action in the Classroom, and it is about how to give kids these things. This teacher thinks this is okay. Let me tell you something. The reason I brought up the other things, the baseball coach, the youth director, the Boy Scout leader, Girl Scout leader, if you did this, if you gave that same book out, if my kid's baseball coach would have handed out this book, if I had a youth director working for me, and I'm the senior pastor, and he handed out this book. He wouldn't just get fired. He would 
have the police called. Parents would call the police. If the baseball coach of my son handed out this book, uh, the police would be called. It would, they would be arrested. I'm not even kidding about this. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. And I'm wondering what you would do. I'm telling you this also because the news media is hiding this, and the way it gets hidden is it gets hidden in an agenda for LGBTQ or trans agendas. And what I want you to think about is that that's the distraction of the issue because the issue isn't LGBTQ. The issue is not trans. The issue is pornography and obscene material given to little children. I don't care if the whole book is heterosexual. That's why I want you to go back to 1985 or whenever you were younger where, you know, if this were done, it wouldn't have those, those issues wouldn't even be considered that weren't, they weren't part of the regular conversation back then. And I think that we lose this argument because the argument is now you have all these books being banned and we keep hearing about books being banned, books being banned and, you know, Nazis banned books and this and that. And the argument gets moved away from what is appropriate for children into you're discriminating against these groups of people. That's not the conversation that needs to happen. The conversation needs to be these books are pornographic, they are obscene, they are damaging to kids, whatever your orientation is, whatever direction you want to go with all of that. And it shouldn't be there in the classroom. It's not even saying, you know, don't publish it. If people are going to buy it, let adults buy that. There's a lot of legislation coming out soon uh, from different states. They're kind of going after librarians, right? Why are these school librarians putting these books in the libraries? And there's many articles about librarians being scared to death about what books are in there. You know, I think there is a, um, I know it when I see it, way to discover whether this book should be controversial or not, frankly. You know, I think that as difficult as that is from a legal perspective and how you can parse that out in all sorts of different ways, I actually think that every parent probably knows what's appropriate for their kids and what isn't. If you're a parent and you're giving out this book, and many have, why? Why do you think your 10-year-old needs that book? The book provides illustrations about every part of the body that feel good, it says, and it describes it, and it's drawn. There's also a chapter in there, by the way, about how to argue with Christians, meaning that if, you know, and other religious people, it's about, hey, if somebody tells you that this isn't okay or this is wrong, here's how you argue. We're talking about 10 and 11-year-olds who can't have a beer until they're 21, who can't drive, who even once they can drive, they can't rent a car till they're 25, they can't vote. There's so many things that we think are not appropriate for kids. I think we get derailed in this conversation because it turns into the social issues, transgender stuff, LGBTQ plus stuff, rather than just the idea of should we be giving sexual material to minors. And keep in mind, this sexual material, it's not just pictures and it's not just descriptions. It's also instruction, okay? It's instruction on how to find hookups, meaning we got to be careful with that term because in my day, hookup meant I'm just going to go see a movie with you. I, you know, I learned that when I was doing young adult ministry that I have to say, uh, yeah, I hooked up with my friend and we went to the movies and all the people are looking at me like you did. What? The term changed, okay? It means sex now. And it's describing to children how to do this through apps on your phone. 
I don't care if it's all heterosexual stuff. It shouldn't be there. And we get distracted, I think, by the social issues. You've got to take a look at what this is. In other contexts, outside of the classroom, outside of the school library, people get fired and they get arrested. It's pedophilia. That's what it is. And parents, don't think this isn't at my school. It might be just one teacher at your school. It might be the whole school is great except for one. It's happening everywhere in the country. This is a big deal. And we can't just put our head in the sand. If you're listening, I don't care if you're left or right. I don't think you think this is a good thing for your kids. 888-528-2557. If you want to join the conversation, this is the Pastor Scott Show, 888-528-2557. I think, you know, I'm reading this and I'm reading the NBC report that just does, it completely obfuscates what the issue is. The issue isn't the parents are angry that an LGBT book is being handed out dealing with those issues. The issue is that it's pornographic. The issue is that it's describing how to go do these things, and it has all kinds of things in it, including sexual things that have to do with eating poop. Just let that sit there for a while. That is, uh, you know, given out to your little kid. That's in this book. That's how out there it goes. Are you disgusted? You should be disgusted. And you should realize this is happening everywhere. This is an agenda that is being pushed forward. Maybe some of you who support this kind of thing don't realize what's in the book. Maybe teachers like this have never actually read it. They've just read the NBC News report going, oh, well, I should hand out that book. It sounds like it would be positive for my students. No, you need to read it. It is a major deal. And if nothing else, you got a funny story about a fired youth director I had when I was a kid. 888-528-2557. I got to take a break. I will take your calls as soon as the Pastor Scott Show returns. 888-528-2557. I'll be back as the Thursday edition continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. Pastor Scott Show, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. We are talking about, uh, it's an uncomfortable subject, but we need to talk about it. It's in all the schools. Some of the books that are being, they, go, they say banned. There's no books being banned. There are books being um, looked at or removed from little children's library, but most of them are pornographic. There are some, you know, there's a whole argument to be had about some books that are on certain subjects that should not be removed, and usually they get put back in. But what we're talking about are books that if a pastor handed them out, like your youth pastor or your baseball coach or your scout leader or somebody else who's not in the classroom, they would get fired or and very likely prosecuted for child pornography. That's what some of these books are. And in a report about a a teacher who the parents actually just called the police because of what she handed their 11-year-old class, um, which is obscene, which is pornography, uh, she was suspended and then she quit. 
uh, ultimately. The NBC News article doesn't doesn't mention anything about the content of the book. They just try to say that the book is supportive of LGBTQ issues, um, but it does not mention that the actual reason that she's in trouble is because the book is pornographic. This book is one of the best sellers over the past uh, eight years and in school libraries anywhere. 888-528-2557 is the number. We'll go to the phones here. Daniel, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Daniel from Downey. Yes, Pastor Scott, thank you for bringing up this subject. I completely believe that the person should be prosecuted. This book should be banned. Uh, another adult does not have the right to show our children, or for example, anything that is, that is our duty as parents. And we even without our consent, showing these books without our consent, uh, I think we should go back to the basics, and we're not here to judge any other person, LGBTQ, anything like that. Um, but at the same time, we're not here to just stand and watch as these other groups force their beliefs on my children. I don't, I don't agree with that at all. You know, I think that um, part of what has to happen in the argument is it's easy to get into the belief department, you know, about... Uh, sexuality or, you know, orientations and and those things. But I think that you'll find that even a lot of people who would put themselves in that category also object to this type of book being given to kids. You know, where have we we gone that we give this out to little children? Exactly. That's what you see a lot of these laws being passed under our eye, under under our nose, without... I think we we got to stand up, do our part yeah. as uh, conservatives. If, if that's we have the same right as anybody else to to exercise our rights the way we want to bring up our children, and and um, but there should be basic laws that don't allow any type of teacher, coach, a youth leader, any pastor, anything like that. Say we can't do it because we cannot do it without parents' consent. It is the law. Yeah, and and you know, I think even some of these things, even if the parent is doing some of these books, there's a problem, uh, and that is part of the problem that we experience. Is that you know, my parents would have never, ever considered this. Uh, I would Not never, all, no. I would never consider this right. But there are parents who are on board, and I don't know if they've actually looked at the book. But we're we're in a we're in a place where, and like I said, I think left and right. I mean, one of the there's a group out there called Gays Against Groomers, and it's very large, growing very quickly, and it's homosexual community who is out there uh, saying that these books are bad for kids. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I think that there is. I th- yeah, I think that as human beings, we know this is wrong, and we can't put our heads in the sand about it. We have to get our argument correct. Uh, anyway, uh, Daniel, thank you for calling the Pastor Scott Show. 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Ike, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Thank you very much, Pastor Scott. You know, this topic is uh, something that really touches my heart because I was a, a sixth-grade teacher for 20 years and just recently retired. Uh, being in the classroom and having all this mess that are thrown at teachers is so disheartening. As children of God, as Christians, I really don't think that the Christian community are doing enough to support the teachers that really need the support and help right now because there's so much that are being pushed on them. 
I guarantee you that 99% of the teachers will not support pushing out these books to children. Because being in that classroom, you know that anything at all that the children are exposed to for even just five minutes is fixing their minds. Yes, forever. It changes them instantly. Instantly. And these things will affect them for the rest of their lives. And the people that are pushing these things, they know exactly what they are doing. We shouldn't be surprised. This is what the Bible warned us about. We are at the last days when evil are considered to be good and good considered to be bad. But where are the Christians? Why are we not outraged? Why are we not fighting for decency in our society? And then we worry about people who go out there and commit all these sexual immoralities on children because we don't speak up, because we don't do enough to stop them. It's really very disheartening. You know, I think, Ike, that we have to get beyond two things, I think, and maybe people can call and tell me if they agree or not, but I think, number one, the the church is skittish in talking about issues of sex. Um, Number two, I think that this is so politicized right and left that we fail to understand that I think what you said is right. Most teachers and most people right and left agree, actually, that this stuff should not be coming. um, This stuff should not be brought to kids. And we have to help people step up, especially people who feel like they're going against their own party or their own politics. Uh, I think they're helping their politics and their party by standing up and saying, this is wrong, we should draw the line here. Uh, Ike, thank you so much for your call, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. You see, I think on the one hand, you know, in church, somewhere along the line, we decided that we can't talk about these things. The problem is, is that it's talked about everywhere else, and the information everywhere else is damaging. And we have a culture that is completely wounded. We have a culture that is wounding our kids. We're wondering why kids are so depressed. We're wondering why kids have so many problems. We wonder why the suicide rate is so high. And maybe it's because the truth on issues that affect us emotionally and physically so deeply, you can't have that discussion at church in the youth group. But you can have it in explicit ways that, that, and this is also part of it, is that so much of the teaching now, so much of the information in these books removes all of the emotional pain and all of the consequences to these things. And they're teaching little kids to just do this, even with adults. The entire country should be outraged by this. 888-528-2557. Rachel in Orange County, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hi, Pastor Scott. Always good to uh, talk with you. So, um, I, you know, commenting on the last uh, gentleman that was talking about how, you know, the last days and everything, um, I was just reading in the book of Judges and, and studying it as well. And um, in a lot of the studies are saying, basically, this is what happens when when you don't have a leader anymore. Because, uh, you know, as in, in Exodus, we had Moses, and then Moses um, had uh, Joshua. It was his pretty much Moses was his mentor. And then after, you know, Joshua succeeded Moses, there was nobody left for, um, to succeed Joshua. 
And in the book of Judges, it, it's basically what happens when we don't have leaders to lead. Uh, it says um, they did what their hearts desired, right, um, basically. And um, and we're kind of seeing that now. We don't really have um, the leaders that we, we did, and, and this generation is kind of showing it. Um, even a lot of the churches are, are, are okay with, with uh, a lot of the, the the things that they're they're putting out there because they don't want to be excluded or I don't know it's they're just uh, false I think there's churches. a lot of a lack of clarity uh, of what even is going on right I think right. and that's that's kind of where I when I looked at this when I presented this at the beginning I went through the 1980s and how crazy it seems that the youth guy would bring a playboy to youth group even for an object lesson and what that you know does to kids to try to take out some of the current issues that make us so fearful today uh, I think that we end up having a social argument rather than a argument about what's really good for for kids and their psyche. Uh, I, I agree, you know, and I think but, that's but part. We also, of, I think that's the leadership our generation problem. without the right leaders, and uh, yeah. this is what happened. Yeah, I I think you're right, Rachel. Thanks for calling the Pastor Scott Show. See, it's I think part of the leadership is that we leaders also can be making the wrong argument. You know, an argument that's not effective. There's an argument to be had. There's there's trans issues and there's LGBTQ issues, and those conversations are needing to happen. And there's disagreements that people are going to have, and there's an approach to that from the church standpoint. But I think you have to not lose this damage that's happening to kids because of those other conversations. This is what we do, right? We we turn things into something else so that we don't get to the core issue. Um, I've mentioned before, for example, I don't particularly like the terms pro-life or pro-choice because I would rather us use anti-abortion or pro-abortion because if we say anti-abortion or pro-abortion, then we're going to have a conversation about abortion. But if we say pro-life or pro-choice, you know, pretty soon we're talking about on the pro-choice side, you're talking about women's health care and mammograms and other things that have nothing to do with abortion. And on the pro-life side, pretty soon you're having a discussion about immigration or about the death penalty or other important topics, but you're not talking about the life of the unborn child and whether that life has value or not. See, we do the same thing on a lot of stuff where suddenly, instead of having a conversation about what kind of explicit sexual material not only is right for anybody to see, but what does it do to young people? Like our one of our callers, he talked about how instantly when you see that as a kid, it's burned into your mind. You will never forget it even if it's just a few moments, you remember that. You rem- it's a big deal. And when you get the fire hose of explicit material and other stuff that's happening today, it immediately changes you. And it doesn't, it's, it changes you even if it's all heterosexual stuff, right? So when we start bringing in social rights and other conversations, some of those are important to have, and that's fine. We have to be able to come together and say, hey, I'll bet that most of us, even people who disagree on some of those other issues, I bet we agree on this, that a 10-year-old should not be given a book that tells him how to go have apps on his phone that he probably shouldn't have, but apps on his phone that are going to hook him up with other people uh, to have sex with. That we shouldn't have apps on the phone or books handed out in the classroom or the school library that teach you about sex acts that most people have never even heard of and that are not healthy, that are sick for anybody to do. There are certain things that people do that are not physically okay. They are not good for you at all in any circumstance. 
and kids are being taught that stuff as if there's nothing wrong with it. I think most of us, left and right and middle and wherever you put yourself, I think we're on that page. I think we're not having that conversation because we aren't staying focused on one issue at a time, and this is a big deal. And you do have to stand up, and you do have to read with critics, you know, a critical eye these articles that are talking about banning books and other things. There are problems with books being banned. There are books being banned that shouldn't be banned. There are books – there's problems because people just make assumptions about different things. But there are a lot of books that should be taken out of schools that should not be in kids' libraries and that any any person who really recognizes what's in there should understand that. And if you don't, we've got to ask ourselves why. Why would that person be – why would that person go to prison in another context? Like we would put them in jail. If it were our kids and it was the baseball coach or it was the youth director, uh, they should go to jail. Why are we okay with it? when it's coming from other we all have to stand up for that all right 888-528-2557 this is the pastor scott show 888-528-2557 i'll take your calls when we get back and i'll tell you a story um about a town that had an alligator problem as the thursday edition of the pastor scott show returns you're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. Pastor Scott Show. Now, let me tell you a story about a missionary. This missionary went to a, a community and he goes to this community. It's near a river. And there's some water there, and he's excited to go there and minister to people. And he notices, though, as he arrives in town, that the townspeople are crying. There are many townspeople who are crying up and down the river. Not everybody, but there's a lot of people just openly weeping and crying everywhere. And he notices this weird thing about this town, that he notices openly that every once in a while out of the river comes a crocodile and he sees right in front of him a crocodile come up and grab a 13-year-old girl and take the girl into the water. And there is weeping and her parents are weeping. And he notices later as he goes through this town that he sees the same event happen with the crocodiles multiple times. It just keeps happening. And he notices that the townspeople of all ages, they are missing limbs. They have visible scars. They have emotional difficulties. And it's clear that it's all about the crocodiles. And he's saying, this town's crazy. They won't deal with the crocodile problem. The crocodiles seem to be running everything. And it's a miserable place. And so he goes to the school and he says, there's got to be some teaching in the school to help people know how to avoid the crocodiles and to be careful around the crocodiles. And he notices in the schools, there's some teaching about the ecological need for crocodiles and the kind of thing, the biology of crocodiles, but there's no teaching about any dangers about the crocodiles. In fact, the bizarre thing he discovers in the schools is that the teenagers especially are encouraged to experiment with the crocodiles, to play with them to draw them out of the water and to do it in all kinds of different ways. And they're given some tools for safe crocodile interaction, but they're also encouraged to experiment on their own and they're given no warnings 
about the dangers of crocodiles, even though you can see the dangers everywhere you go. And he thinks, well, somebody needs to do something about this. So he goes to the town government and he gets this answer from the government officials. They say a couple of different things. One they say is, well, we can't do much about the crocodiles because, frankly, our economy is driven by crocodiles. You know, we would have people who would lose their lose their economic viability if we did anything about the crocodiles. I mean, we're talking about advertising, uh, clothing, entertainment. And, you know, at the end of the day, there is so much about the crocodiles. We just, you know, can't can't not have crocodiles. And by the way, crocodiles have rights and we have to deal with people who have uh, civil rights commentary about crocodiles. And this missionary is flabbergasted at this and decides, well, I'm going to go to the church. The church must must be doing something about the crocodiles. They must be saying something. And he goes to church and he realizes immediately that the church is full of wounded people, people missing limbs, people who are scarred, people who are weeping openly because of the crocodiles. And he sits and he asks someone, what, what is this church doing about the crocodiles? And he's told that it's inappropriate to discuss crocodiles in church. And the preachers teach about the crocodiles. They teach about how bad the crocodiles are, and they teach about how all the pain that crocodiles are causing in this town. But they won't discuss it any further because it's rude, because it's not something that we talk about in church. And all the while, the crocodiles continue to devour the young people, the middle-aged people, and the old people of this town. That's us. That is us where the crocodiles are sex. Everybody here knows somebody. Everybody listening knows someone, and it's probably you, who has been wounded by sex in one way or another, emotionally, physically, chemically, spiritually. That there is a greatness about sex in its context, and the Bible has a whole book about it, Song of Solomon. It's there, it's explicit, and it's righteous. It's there. People say, oh, that book's just a, uh, you know, it's an allegory of Jesus and the church. Well, it is, but it's also a story about uh, a man and a woman and their attraction to each other and uh, what they want to do about it physically and why they hold off until they're married. And then you get to go to the honeymoon, and it's embarrassing to read that, but it means everything you think it means. Then they get they get married. They have a honeymoon. You're there for all of that. God blesses it at that point, by the way, and it's wonderful. And then they're married, and they fight for a couple of chapters, and then uh, they have sex again in the book. It's exactly what it is. If you don't believe me, read chapter 4, read chapter 6. They get old together. It's a wonderful story about how it ought to be and why you should wait and why sex should be limited to a man and a woman in a marital relationship. And I, I've taught that book many times where people see it and they go, oh, well, now I understand. Let me give you some stats here. The CDC Center for Disease Control, uh, in their 2019 study. They just came out with another one. It changed a little bit because of the COVID. Uh, but STDs are surging for five years. Young people, 15 to 24. Uh, chlamydia up 19% since 2014. Gonorrhea, 63%. AIDS is up 12% since 2014. 93%, by the way, of AIDS cases are sexually transmitted, not drug use or other things. 93%. Primary and secondary syphilis, 71% since 2014, and that's the one that's gone up even during the COVID. And it's the 20, 2021 report just came out. You know, it's a couple years behind. And it's out of control. 
And if you take out little kids from the population, we're talking about half of the population, $16 billion of health care it's costing us each year, and it hits the poor and minority populations the hardest. It's crocodiles, and we need to have the right way to speak about it as the church. We need to recognize this should not be about politics left and right. It's political. You know, you're going to see this. I think this presidential election might very well be about this. But I think that there are people, regular people, you and me, people who are across the board in all kinds of categories who agree that this has to be taught differently. And we can't ignore it in the church. It's everywhere else. And almost everywhere else you hear anything about it, it's terrible advice. It's advice that is leaving people wounded, and everywhere you look is the walking wounded. And by the way, because I know that's you, and I know that's all of us, and it's people that we know, there is total and complete grace and forgiveness from Jesus Christ. That's part of our gospel message that has to be about this, that the hope that we have in Christ, whatever you're looking for with gratification in all these sorts of ways, whatever kind of community you're trying to build, whatever you think you're trying to do to help people, even if you're, you're harming them, the correct answer is in Christ. The correct answer isn't always the church down the street. Sometimes they get it wrong or they just won't talk about it or they won't talk about it in a, in a, a way where there is grace. But there is grace from Christ all of your wounds, your mistakes, your difficulties, he took them to the cross. And if you follow him, you're going to make wise decisions, even in that area of your life. And you will heal from that pain. And you will struggle through some of it. But there is healing, there is a way, there is a path to healness, to righteousness, and to redeeming whatever might be in your past, whatever might be there that has caused you so much pain, there is redemption in Christ. There is everlasting life in Christ. Would you please consider that and go there and realize the realness of a resurrected Savior who defeated death and sin on your behalf? And if you trust him for that, for your life, and you follow him, you will follow him right out of your pain, out of death, into everlasting life. That's the promise that we have. And we've got to put that in context, and we've got to make sure that that's something that's clear. And we've got to address these issues as the church from a standpoint of grace without getting distracted by the politics and the different social matters. We have a God who loves us and who is there and who has shown us the way. The way is Jesus. All right, thanks for your calls. I won't get to the rest of your calls, Ted. I see your call up there. I won't get to it this hour. We have a special guest in the next hour. He's got a great story, so stay with us and a different subject, but I think you'll be blessed by it. This is the Pastor Scott Show. We'll be back as the Thursday edition continues. Stay tuned. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.